What's up, podcast people? This is Talk To Me, episode 11. On this episode, I've got Joey Z of Life of Agony. And I have to say that I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. I was so excited to do this interview. Life of Agony is one of my all-time favorite bands. I used to go see them when I was like 15, 14, back in the late 90s. And each time I went to see them, it was great. I met Joey Z 20 years ago when I was uh, just a young lad. So I reached out to him, he agreed to do the podcast, and I'm forever grateful to Mr. Joey Z for coming on the podcast. Saw him many times with Typo Negative, saw him once open for Ozzy and Korn, I saw them with uh, Cannibal Corpse and Anthrax on that tour, so yeah, I went to see him as many times as I could back in the day. I talked to Joey Z about Life of Agony, his time in Stereo Mud, when he, at the time he opened for Ozzy at the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville. When they used to play my favorite venue of all time, the 328 Performance Hall. Rest in peace, 328. But first, I'm going to play you a song by Cyberstar. This goes back to episode 2, the Billy Gray episode. But Cyberstar has now released the full-length version of this song, Eye for an Eye. Here it is, Eye for an Eye by Cyberstar, Billy Gray's project. <laughs> Joke, the one that 
guys, there you have it. That was the new Cyberstar song, Eye for an Eye. Make sure to go and check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash cyberstarband. Make sure to give them a nice talk to me hello. Let them know you heard the song on this episode of Talk To Me. Also, go back, check out episode two with Billy Gray, where he goes a little bit more in depth with the uh, creation of this band. But now, without any further ado, the man of the hour, Mr. Joey Z, coming on Talk To Me. That was so great and gracious of him to come on the podcast. Uh, once again, I just can't, cannot thank him enough for coming on the podcast. It was a great conversation, great catching up with him. Get to hear him talking about everything Life of Agony, everything Stereo Mud, everything Zyre's War. Make sure and check him out wherever you can. And now, here you go, Mr. Joey Z. All right, Joey Z, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, can't wait to get into it. No, thank you. No, it took us a little bit to get the, get this together, but man, it's uh, finally happening, so it's pretty awesome. Uh, you... I'm excited, and I apologize. Sorry to cut you off. I apologize that uh, it took so long. Oh no! To get my shit together, basically. <laughs> no, you're 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 one of the few guests that uh you know I, I tracked down and um you know you you agreed to do it and we kind of went back and forth. I've had a couple people agree to do it and then they just kind of disappear. So so but no, you know but at least yeah. you you know you agreed and you came through. So definitely appreciate that. You texted me the other day saying that you know you were you're in the studio with a bunch of projects right now. What all what all are you up to right now? Yeah, well you know when I'm not touring and doing all that stuff um i produce records for other bands and i've been doing that for a number of years now about eight years or so with all the knowledge i picked up in the past from you know recording whether it was life of agony or stereo mud and you know behind the guitars you know working with all these great producers over the years i learned a lot of course and uh after the broken valley record uh life of agony's broken valley record you know the record didn't do what we expected it to do so i ended up opening a recording studio in brooklyn and it was great, you know, it was really great because I had some really, you know, great acts come through. Um, and, you know, I don't need to start dropping names, but, you know, acts like Sick of It All and, and uh, you know, H2O and even Anthrax came through and they brought a producer in. And it was cool to see those bands like in my studio, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, but then I lost the studio in Hurricane Sandy. And uh, that was uh, that was really that was like a setback. But. I got back on my feet, and um, I have a believe it. I have a studio in my house now, where I do all guitars, bass, and vocals here at the house, and mixing. Of course, I have a nice control room. I have a great little live room, but uh, any drums I do outside my home first. Like we'll go to a bigger drum studio, you know, record the band's drums out of a bigger studio, and then bring the hard drive back here to my house and finish up the recording here, and it saves the band's money and. And it's really cool. It's very comfortable. Got plenty of food and coffee here. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. uh, you know, I got two little girls at home. So, you know, they hear the pounding from upstairs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny when they tell me, hey, Dad, would you lower that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just kind of going back, we'll, we'll just go all the way back to the early days of, like, Life of Agony. And uh, just actually just a question I have more than anything, like, what's it like to, to – start a band in the New York area because I know everything's on top of each other and practice spaces probably can't be cheap. A struggling band, how is it How is it uh, finding a place to practice and things like that? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, um, I kind of experienced it, you know, a few times now, starting uh, bands in different, you know, uh, over the last 
25 years it's been. So um, years ago, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, we started Life of Aggie in 1990, right out, right out outside of 89. You know, after 89, we started Life of Agony. So back then, there wasn't as many rehearsal spaces, so you kind of like, you kind of just had to go whatever, wherever was available at the time, which there's a lot more studios now available, but a lot more bands as well. Um, so it's kind of hard to lock in some studio time, but um, back then it was cool because there was more of a scene. They had a lot more people coming to the shows, and um, uh, you know, even had like friends and people like that, and even you know, say fans you made around the neighborhood, they would come to your rehearsal. And a few times that we used to rehearse at this place called Fast Lane Studio in 1990, 1991, Life of Agony. And uh, a few times, I got to say, we had little pits going on in our rehearsal room. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have a group of like 10, 10 to 12 friends. And before you know it, they were getting rowdy. And uh, it was great. You know, it was, it was just a fun time. And I think that's what contributed to the music and, and to the whole vibe of Life of Agony is, you know, keeping it real. And um, it was just a great time. And then comes Stereo Mud, which is in 1999. We start. I started that band with some friends and stuff. Out, out. You know, it came from Life of Agony, that band. And we rehearsed in Manhattan. And starting a band during that era was exciting as well because there was a lot of uh, how would you say there was a lot of support with record labels at the time. So there was a lot of labels looking for new metal bands and, and, and the next thing. So there was a very hungry vibe going on out there. It wasn't the age of, you know, like music was just starting to be, uh, how would you say, traded online or, you know, right. so it wasn't as, it wasn't as like music wasn't as free as it is now. So labels were still hungry. They were still looking for talent. And so that was exciting. And uh, the scene was still good back then, you know, you played shows and the people, you know, people there in front of you and packed and all that good stuff, even for new bands, even for local bands. Um, I can't say that it's like that now. I mean, I'm in my, you know, now I'm, I have another new band. Uh, it's called Zyre's War. Um, and don't mistake me saying this, but, you know, just people aren't coming out to shows as much, you know. It's not, uh, they do are coming out for Zyre's War, which I, I really appreciate. I think that's based off of the whole, you know, history I have in the scene and, and music and all that, which I'm grateful for. But I see other shows, I guess what I'm talking about these days. And a lot of the local shows, you know, I'll go see some bands play with some friends. And uh, I got to say it, there's only a handful of people showing up. And it's kind of disheartening to a lot of these bands. But I encourage them, you know, whether it's bands I'm working with, doing their record or whatever, I encourage them to keep sticking out and keep going because, we're in a phase right now, I think. There are a lot of people just sitting in their computer chair watching YouTube. But, um, you know, I got a feeling eventually that's going to get old, like just like everything else, and people are going to start coming out to shows again. There's going to be a scene again. I don't know if it's wishful thinking on my part, but, um, you know, I do hope. I, I feel like it's going to turn around eventually and hope that it'll turn around where these clubs are packed again and, and people are into live music. Um, you know, with the Zyre's War thing, I have, like I said, I got this new band, Zyre's War. It's really, really heavy, really doing good. I got some, I have a whole album written and it's exciting. It still is an exciting thing to start something from the ground up 
and have that fresh new feeling and um, be able to present some new music and a new vibe even, you know, because now I'm, I'm doing the vocals and singing like right there, you know, fronting the band, writing all the stuff and all that. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and it's really fun. It's a different thing for me, but um, I feel like I got enough experience with Life of Agony up there in the front doing a lot of vocal parts and also um, with Carnivore when Peter put, Peter Steele put Carnivore together a band that he had before Typo Negative. Yeah. Um, he put Carnivore together in uh, 2006 and they asked me to be, you know, in the band with, with, you know, to play guitar in it. He had me do a lot of vocals and sing and play guitar in that yeah. project. So it kind of, uh, that was the start of Dyer's War for me. So, yeah, it's exciting to start a, a, a project. You just need people to come out to the shows, you know. We just need to get people off their computer chairs and, and and out to the venues again, you know? Yeah, you definitely can't beat the live experience. And, uh, you know, going back to the live experience and, uh, you know, just being a kid growing up, I grew up in um, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, going to see Life of Agony with my buddy Jeremy Owsley. And I think you've talked to him over oh, the years. Oh, I know, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, so I was, the, buddy, yeah, yeah, I was the kid next to him when we were, you know, 14, 15, sitting outside the Life of Agony bus. Uh, and actually getting ready for this interview, I called him and I'm like, you know, a couple things. I was like, jog my memory on a few things. And he's like, <clears throat> he was telling me a story that we were standing outside. It was you guys, Anthrax, like Cannibal Corpse, that tour. And it was like a hundred. Yeah, that was an awesome yeah, tour. It was like a hundred and something degrees outside. And he said, you kept coming off the bus with like Dr. Peppers and, and waters for us. <laughs> he's like, you guys are going to yeah. die out here. But yeah, that was, yeah, that man. was me back then. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, you know. I love, you know, I, I, I've always been connected to the to the uh, people that appreciate the music. I've always been connected to, I'm a really down-to-earth type guy, you know, I, I'm i a simple guy, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm just a, uh, uh, you know, how would you say, I'm a friendly dude, Yeah. you know, very simple, uh, what you see is what you get, you know, don't have any hidden agendas, I wear my heart on my sleeve, I get up on stage, I'm fucking play my fucking ass off. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm up there to do one thing to destroy every single time. You know, I have one objective. Oh, to yeah. give my whole self every ounce of whatever I have that night or even in the studio when I record. It's my whole entire self. I'm leaving nothing behind. And, uh, and, and I appreciate when people are coming out to the shows and are witnessing that and feeling that sharing it so it's really what i live for it's really why i do music is that moment those moments whether it's in the studio live the moment where you hit that peak and everything just almost seems automatic and it almost seems like you're in another world it's almost like you transcend the weirdest feeling when you almost lose yourself you forget where you are you could be on stage and i'll all of a sudden wake up and i'm playing a song and i and i was automatically playing the tune it's the weirdest thing oh yeah I mean, I, I, because i was so euphoric from the moment you know i think i've hit that many times and and it's why i do this you know oh yeah i used to love going to you know love going to see you guys back you know back late 90s almost you know i guess the first time i saw you guys was ozzy corn and you guys in nashville yeah, Miss Auditorium, and I was I was thinking about this today because I knew we were going to talk tonight, and I was back then, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old, and yeah. I love Ozzy now, but back then yeah. it was I was there for Life of Agony, and I was there for Corn, 
and like I was, I was, I was like, well, I guess I'll stick around for Ozzy. You know, now I would let you know go see Black Sabbath and Ozzy tons of times. But back then, you know, being a young kid, I like the young, new, right. fresh stuff. You know, and, and yeah, Ozzy, yeah, Ozzy was an old guy to me at that time. But, but yeah, it was, it was so much fun seeing you guys back then. I think you only got to play like five songs, if I remember correctly. But yeah, like, was, we didn't have. Yeah, I, I remember. You know, that that first of all is one of my favorite tours I've ever yeah. done. The Corn guys was a blast to be on tour with. Um, I, I loved the band. I loved watching Corn every single night. Um, they really inspired me in a different way. Um, uh, you know, watching Ozzy, of course, every night and being friends with uh, Joey Holmes, who was on guitar at the time. Uh, Joey, Joe was great to hang out with day in, day out. He showed me so much, so much stuff on guitar, and we shared so many, so many every so many stories we shared you know just uh ideas uh we shared a lot of um a lot of musical things together you know like we talked gear all the time and joe was a great guy to be on tour with yeah, he's and, definitely uh, the unsung hero of the aussie guitarists <laughs> yeah you know he he was just amazing i'd watch them every single night of course and i wouldn't miss a show and uh, what a fun tour that was. That was, you know, and on the off days, this was the coolest thing. Corn were doing so awesome, like they were killing it on the radio. So, you know, with the with Blind, they, they mm-hmm. had the brand new albums, their first tour, they, you know, first big tour, I think, that ever did. So um, on the off days, it was Corn, Like the Agony, and Geezer, G-E-R yeah. at the time. He had that band. And Geezer was on the tour, too, which was amazing. I got to actually sound check his bass on that tour. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Geezer's plane was late. And um, I was in the uh, arena in the seats just getting ready to watch them. I even watched them sound check. I just loved the whole process, the, the day-to-day process with watching Ozzy and everything set up. And uh, uh, Joey was up there with Randy Castillo. And, you know, rest in peace, man. Rest mm-hmm. his soul. He was in the band as well, which he was amazing on drums. And uh, Joey's up there, and just the two of them, and he yells, yells out to me in the arena. He's like, hey, Joey, come up here, man. And I was like, what, what? He's like, come up here. So I didn't know what they wanted, so I got up on stage, and he goes, grab Geezer's bass, you're going to sound check with us. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, I was very unprepared, I felt. And I was like, he was. I was like, um, okay. Uh, so the, the the technician, bass tech, strapped Jesus' bass around my head and around my shoulder, and uh, you know, and there I was um, with Joey Holmes and Randy Castillo, and he was like, all right, you know, Crazy Train. I'm like, uh, kind of. I know a couple of riffs, I think. <laughs> and he's like, ah, do you get through it? And, you know, he goes, stand by me. You know, watch my hand if you you lose yourself and I need a part. And I think I played Crazy Train and I and I played Paranoid. He was like, "What else? You know, what else you got?" <laughs> I'm like, "I definitely could get through Paranoid, I'm sure." And he was like, "All right, let's play that." <laughs> so, oh man, it was a trip. That was a that was a good moment. That was a, a fun moment playing uh, with you know with those two guys. That's awesome. What were those? Uh, uh, yeah, was, uh, you guys seem to tour a lot with Typo Negative. What were those tours like back then? I tell you, Josh, uh, uh, playing with those guys was just like a dream come true. It was like, imagine, imagine summer camp, like going away with all your best friends, you know? Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, we grew up in the same scene. We, you know, we were, we were like the two bands that were best of friends. Us, and then also Biohazard, of course, too. Um, yeah, but on that, on those specific tours, you know, 
the type of negative towards. I mean, it was almost like it, there wasn't like, oh, your bus and my bus. It was like, you can end up sleeping on any bus. <laughs> it, was, it was like, you know, whatever bus you got wasted on and passed out, that was the bus you were sleeping on that night, pretty much. Um, the stories go beyond. <laughs> I mean, uh, just the funnest of times, man. Peter was great. Kenny, Josh, oh, my God. You know, Johnny, we just had a blast constantly. Our crews were so tight together and everyone helped each other. And it was just like, never a problem, never, never anything. Just, you know, just super easy and super fun. Like I, most tours that we've done, you know, to this day, Life of Agony, I'm saying is, uh, you know, they've all been really, really, really great. I mean, we had one kind of bum tour that, we don't like to think or talk about too much, but it, it happened, and it it was with Mudvayne, and um, we we loved those guys, and we had a great time with them. Problem was, I don't think the crowd was really getting what Life of Agony was about. I think it was bad timing, you know. What record were you on at the time? Record, oh, okay. Broken Valley, you know. Um, we we both were signed to Epic Records. Um, Mudvayne um, had this really, really, as you know, like. At, they, they were at the height of their career when mm-hmm. we jumped on towards them. Um, I don't think many of their fans, which were very, very young, I'm talking, you know, the, you know, we were playing, you know, most of the crowd were 16, 17-year-old kids, you know, a lot of uh, makeup on in the crowd, a lot of, you know, it was really cool. We were, you know, we thought it was going to be great, and, and we thought we were going to win over a lot of people, but apparently I, I don't know if the music uh, gelled with Mudvayne's music as, as much as we were hoping it would. Yeah. And um, it just was a different animal. And it's okay, you know, and, and it happens. Internet didn't help because I think the fans were kind of like online, egging each other on to mess with life and that. All this stuff was going on. We were reading threads, and it was just been, it was turning out to be a really big disaster for us. And uh, we were doing the best we can. We tried to ignore it, but, you know, a lot of the nights couldn't ignore it, so a lot of crap happened. and. Um, yeah, this was with the brand new record, Epic Records, and, um, you know, so, you know, basically, uh, hold on, I'm sorry. So basically, um, the Mudvayne tour, you know, was the only tour, I gotta say, that was really yeah. hard to, hard to, hard to get over. Sorry, I had to switch rooms here. Sorry, everyone out there. <laughs> Move sorry. rooms because uh, I got invaded. <laughs> no, it happens. Oh, sorry, talking about scheduling. Uh, right? No, no, you know, I have I have kids myself, so I totally understand yeah. all that stuff. But going back to you, uh, touring with Type of Negative, the one thing I remember, uh, 328 Performance Hall, so like my the club I basically grew up in as a kid. Um, I remember that place. Yeah, I God, I love that venue. But uh, they've actually torn it's torn down now. They did a road expansion, all this other nonsense, and had to tear it down. But, I don't know. But yeah, it was one of those. Looking back now, it's just you know that was that was where I basically grew up. But seeing you guys with Typo, and I just remember that they're Typo. I think did a couple times that they had like a huge toilet paper fight, like just rolls oh, yeah, of toilet yeah. paper flying everywhere, and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There was that, that went on almost every night. Peter would advance, you know, he would, he would make sure that the venue had a, a case of toilet paper. Yeah. Um, advance to the show, you know, like you have on the rider. And yeah. at the end of the night, just start whipping rolls of toilet paper at the crowd. It's just hysterical. And then before <laughs> you know it, the whole entire place turned into, like, you know, one of those frat scenes you see in those movies 
where the whole entire place is covered in toilet paper. <laughs> so, yeah, those tours, Peter made, you know, those guys in general made everything so much fun. And Peter was just a blast to tour with. He was just um, just all about having a good time all the time and, and um, just playing great music. So just couldn't be couldn't be more perfect touring with those guys back then. Just hang over here then. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm on my cell, so sorry no, about that. No, it happens. A little backstory on myself. Met you guys when I was a kid. Um, I went on to play music myself. I uh, played in a band called Primer 55 for a while. We toured and did all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I know Primer 55. Yeah, I played in... I, I was like the third bass player, you know, like one step above the uh, T-shirt guy kind oh, of thing. Awesome. <laughs> but, I, feel uh, like I, I feel like I toured with them like three or something like that years ago. Uh, you may have... So, um, with was uh, Primer 55 around in 2000, in, in the year 2000? Yeah, that's when they kind of broke, was, was 2000. I joined in 2002. Um, yeah, because Stereo Mud, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we did some shows with Primer 55. I'm almost, yeah. I'm almost absolutely sure. Like I'm 99.9% sure we played together a bunch of times. You know, with whatever lineup was at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, in the year 2000, when <laughs> Stereo Mud was really kicking in. Uh, that for, that early Stereo Mud stuff was so good. Like you know, even looking back on it now, you know, I think it's still like. Pain as a song is, you know, it was a great stuff. It was great to see you go from, you know, Life of Agony, which is a great band, and then also going into Stereo Mud, which is obviously another great band. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, this Zyre's Ward thing too, man. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, when I get this record finally out, yeah, hopefully that's going to be very soon. Uh, I got the record written, and um, the song, I just love it. I just love it's so heavy and it's so much fun to play, and um, the, the songs really mean a lot, you know. Um, everything I, I pulled, all the content is from within myself and what's going on around me, and you know, it's really, it's finally my own voice because no one's heard what I had, I've had to say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I never wrote lyrics for any of the bands I was in. You know, um, I never really gave my inner thoughts or inner soul and, and poured open for everyone. So, you know, although. Um, Zara's Ward is a bit of metaphoric things going on. There's a mm-hmm. lot of it that's kind of straightforward as well. So you got to kind of pick through it and see how the songs pertain to you. Because uh, basically, the the name Zara's War really, it's just that warrior inside of you, the 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 inner your inner soul being kind of exposed to the world, and um, that's I'm calling that my Zyre, You know, oh, it's awesome. my, it's the war within. It's basically the war with you, yourself, with the stripped-down version of yourself. So, uh, yeah, and that's a lot what the content's about, you know. Just, uh, again, like, everything that, like where Life of Agony comes from, the struggles, the, you know, a lot of struggles are just inside yourself, you know. Finding yourself and finding peace within, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, we all deal with that day-to-day. No, no one's perfect. Nothing's perfect. So we... We have to cope with whatever we're, whatever we've been given, whatever skills we've been given to cope with, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a cool band. You're gonna dig it once you hear it, and yeah, definitely. Once, once everybody it, hears it. Yeah, once it comes out, definitely need to track, throw it on the, throw it on a future podcast with someone, and, and you know. Oh, definitely. That. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to do a follow up, and and uh, yeah, without a doubt, when that, when I launch that record, when the record comes out, I'd love to jump back on, and you can end up playing some tunes, whatever, 
you know, yeah. it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm putting a lot of work into it. And um, the songs are just, I just love them. I love playing out live. That's great. You know, yeah, we played with uh, Biohazard. Um, we played with uh, Doyle, yeah. which was awesome. <laughs> we did uh, a couple of shows with some different bands, and we have a show coming up. And another week and a half, we're playing with VOD, Vision of Disorder. Oh, wow. We're yeah. releasing their brand new record, and we're doing their record release party, and it's expected to be sold out the place. And it's uh, it's going to be a, a crazy night. It's, um, it's going to be a great night. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, so Zyre's War, VOD, in, in Long Island, of New York, of all places where VOD is from, it's just going to be a really, really brutal night. I'm so excited, man. That is awesome. Now, the reason I was bringing up Prime 55 earlier is uh, we reformed in 2007 and did a, a few-month tour, and we had Eric Rogers' band, Love Said No, opening for us. So it was great to see him performing every oh, night. Yeah, I got definitely. to I got to hang out with him a lot. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, I think we, we stayed at his house in Atlanta, and uh, he was showing me, like, early VHS, you know, some of the very, very, very first Stereo Mud stuff and, you know, just, like this little lanky kid with the really long hair and <laughs> it was you oh, know, yeah, to see yeah. him transform into, you know, to, to the suave debonair man that he turned into. But yeah, it was, that guy's got such a good voice. Oh man. I love playing with Eric. You know, we, uh, we had a great time. That band was another fun, fun, uh, time in my life. You know, it was exciting. I, I was living down in Atlanta a lot. You know, we were back and forth between Atlanta and New York. Yeah. Uh, you know, John from Stereo Mud is in is in Zyre's War. Who is that? John Federuso. Oh wow. So it's both. Yeah, I took I brought him into this project. So it's two dual guitars, and um, it's killer because I got John. You know, you know, we always played well off each other. You can hear it in Stereo Mud, but now this is just taking it another level up, heaviness wise. You know, it's it's even more brutal, more. You know, it's more extreme. You know, it's not um, it's not what you you would expect to turn on the radio in here. You know, unless you listen to Liquid Metal on Sirius <laughs> or you know something like that or WSOU, you know, uh, New Jersey. But you know, it's it's a uh, it's a fun project because get to, I just get to do whatever I want, and you know, I'm not thinking of oh, I got to write a commercial song or I got to write this. Or, I'm I'm not thinking of anything. You yeah. know, it's more of uh, you know, just whatever comes out of me, you know, it's baritone guitars, it's way tuned down, six strings, you know, not eight and seven strings, <laughs> 37 six string baritones, <laughs> yeah, the old school baritones yeah. that are um, dropped down to G sharp, so, yeah, but um, going back to what you said, yeah, so it was, you know, Stereo Mud was a great time, and playing with Eric was great, his voice, you know, even live, it held up, you know, wherever we went, yeah. you know, it, it, it just held up. So I was watching him know, night in, night out. And yeah. He definitely has some, uh, some pipes on him. Yeah. He brought it every night. It was great. You know, we were very, very, uh, grateful. Uh, I should say very blessed to be able to, to do what we did. Stereo mud, you know, start a band from scratch again and get to the level that we, we were able to get it to. So, but, you know, very proud of that. Yeah, I, just, I remember like when we'd be, you know, because we all rode in the same van, and I'd just be sitting there next to him, like, "Tell me more about Joey Z. Tell me more about, you know." I'm always picking, <laughs> I'm, you know, anyone, anytime I was around anybody that ever did anything, I would just pick their brain, you know. And so that's why oh, I think that's, cool. that's why I think the podcast is like just such a good extension of that, 
you know, just like, yeah, yeah, you get to know. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you called me. I'm glad you asked me to do it. No, I'm I'm Uh, glad you excited. Yeah, man. It's it's awesome. It's great. (laughs) So going back into the life of agony, you know, when you guys kind of came, guys and gal kind of popped back up and started doing the festivals and things like that. What was the initial reaction? And were you surprised or were you excited about the initial reaction? Oh, with Mina? Well, I mean, with, yeah, yeah, just with life, you know, with the, uh, you know, crowd reaction. Like, how are you? Oh, in general, you're saying back in the day? Oh, I thought you meant, uh, because our our recent reaction with Mina um, changed, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that. But (laughs) um, years ago, the, um, the, you know, playing a festival, my God, because all we ever saw on VHS tapes or when we were younger, you know, you would see Metallica, you know, Iron Maiden, Ozzy, you know, you'd see these VHS tapes as as you're growing up, all these home videos or whatever with these mega, you know, heavy band, metal bands playing in front of these giant arenas. And it was just like, you know, my God, getting to do it yourself. I remember the first festival we ever did was Dynamo in 1994. Wow. And it was a hundred, I think it was, oh no, I'm sorry. It was 92,000 people confirmed that were on the grounds when we went on. And I just, I can't tell you, like, it was the first time we ever played outside and it was in front of 92,000 people (laughs) and the plate and the crowd, it looked like, it looked like an ocean that was very turbulent. The crowd was just, the whole thing turned into this wave because people were jumping and moshing and it was just like, it looked surreal. It looked like, it almost looked like a war at times, like, but, but not in a violent way in a flowing, like it was crazy, crazy looking. And I, I I remember going through every emotion possible. I remember like tears in my eyes and hair on the back of my head, you know, my neck not going down for songs after songs and just like, it was the most incredible uh, show. I have it on tape, actually. I have it in my house right here in the little DVD bank I got. And I kept a lot of the old videos and I tried DVD. I watched it one time, that first show. And it's just amazing to watch. And amazing to watch our energy translated. You know, the hair on the back of my neck just was standing up song after song. And it's like a, a memory I'll never ever forget being up there. And I just remember how the, you know, watching it now when I watch it back, you know, it almost, I could feel the feelings kind of, I could see see myself going through all the emotions. Like as I'm watching on television screen, even now, nowadays, you know, it's just amazing. I can really feel it again. It's, it's wild. It's, um, yeah, I remember... Like when these festival shows started popping up with you guys playing recently, you know, I was just like glued to YouTube and just watching them. And like, you could just tell, like, you could tell it means a lot to you guys that, that people are, you know, still, still loving, you know, the music and stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it means everything because every single time you get a chance to go up there and do it is, is a blessing. You know, every single chance you, you are allowed to like the universe, allows us to get up there and, and everything, everything comes together and we go on these trips and, you know, we get, we get to our destination. We actually get up on stage and do what we do. 
it's great. It's just, it feels like a blessing to be able to do it. Yeah. You know? Are you guys planning and, on doing anything uh, like anything more in the States? Or are you going to do any kind of, what's great about it now is we kind of just roll with the punches. Like, yeah. you know, whatever comes our way, we assess, we assess it. We see if it's feasible, like if it makes sense to do and things are rolling in, which is great. Knock on wood. I'm going to actually lean over and knock on wood. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's nice to have this much, um, still get this much, you know, how, how do you say it, get requested this much yeah. to go do stuff and uh, have this much, much attention around the band still and people being this into it. I think it's because we're still into it. You know, we, we go up there and like you just said, we still give it, we, we look forward to the moment of being up there. So I think that translates. Yeah, definitely, I definitely think um, it know, does. So we're, yeah, and 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 we have a lot more to look forward to. Um, you know, this summer I believe there are going to be some more festivals. There's some offers coming in, and it's just hopefully just keeps. You know, I believe it'll just keep rolling forward and and uh, see where it goes. Awesome. Let me hit you with my favorite favorite story from 328, and I always I always remember this one. Um, you guys were playing, and this is obviously when Mina was Keith, and yeah, you guys you guys play the show, and you get off, and and you and Alan and uh, someone else just come, you come charging through the crowd, and I see you, and I'm oh. like, and I've been talking to you off and on throughout the day, so I'm like, hey, there's my friend Joey, <laughs> you know, so I, I go to yeah. say, I go to say, hey Joey, great show, and you looked at me and you go, hold on, somebody spit on Keith and we're going to go get him. And like you guys charged through the crowd and you were looking for someone that had spit on on Mina during the crowd yeah. in the show. And I was just like, oh my God, those guys are so hardcore. Like, you know, I'm I'm the biggest yeah. sissy Where in the world. That? But yeah, Where? what's that? Where was that? That was, Where three, was that show. Was that in Tennessee? Yeah, it was in Nashville. I guess someone had spit um, on <laughs> spit on Mina at the time. And uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, we had, we, we would have, uh, you know, Occasionally, there would be, you know, you know, we get it every once in a while. With a band that I believe is is kind of different, like we are, yeah. you know, you get some people who don't see the bigger picture of what we're what we're doing. You know, yeah. they, you know, they might be too narrow minded, you know, to really get what we're doing. So, you know, occasionally we would we would, uh, you know, and this rarely happens. So you 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 probably caught a rare experience. Yeah. But, uh, if anyone ever, you know, some, you know, we've had some incidences over the years where we felt like we might have needed to take matters into our own hands. So that might have been one of them <laughs> where, where if we tell people to stop or, or people being told to stop and it keeps happening, you know, when we were younger, I mean, it doesn't happen these days, you know, yeah. it's not like I got kids at home and, you know, I'm, I'll be, I'm 43 years old. I'm not going to, you know, jump off stage and start beating someone up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if they deserve it, I might, but <laughs> it was the time where, you know, it just really showed me that you guys were like a brotherhood, you know, like a, you know, a gang, oh, you know, you're are. out there yeah, we, and, we you know, are. and it was, uh, you know, you're sticking up for, you know, sticking up for, you gotta remember, yeah, you gotta remember Josh, you know, when you're on the road, all you have is each other. Yeah. You know, in the end, in the end, we don't, you know, we, we roll into all these towns and, you know, we got each other's backs, even this to this day, obviously. Like, yeah. We're rolling in as a pack. And if, 
if someone's going to be, if someone's uh, not having a good time, it's not really going to be a good time for the rest of us, which ends up being not a good time for the people who are making it not a good time. Right. <laughs> so if you can follow that. You know, we, we're not a bunch of tough guys that walk around. Like, you know, we're not a gang. We're not yeah. out there to cause trouble. Or, but if we need to take matters into our own hands, you know, <laughs> we have in the past. I hate to say it. And we've had to do some crazy things, man. We were getting robbed once. Never forget it. And uh, one of the first tours over in Europe, we were actually, um, we were being uh, actually, like, physically robbed. Um, our tour manager was getting his face smashed in when, and the guys had weapons and, and, and bottles and, and we would they would try to rob our tour manager after he just got paid. Wow. And we were in a venue in Germany and a huge brawl broke out backstage. And I'm not even going to say the gory details, but it didn't end up well for them. <laughs> um, they, you know, they never got a dollar. And it was a bloody mess. That's all I gotta say. It was it was real ambulances, bloody mess. And you know we're not proud of it, but you know in the end we're being robbed. And yeah. at the moment you gotta protect yourself because they it was it was serious. It wasn't uh you know it was it was a real serious moment, and we took it serious. And we had to do what we had to do to get out of there and to protect ourselves. So we ended up getting out of there and. Uh, what a, I'll never forget that night. You know, that was that was some extreme crap, man. It was bad security at the venue, and somehow people got through the back door. I mean, look what happened to Dimebag, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, that shit happened, man. People have motives, and they have plans, and they, you know, they, it was a group of guys, too. It wasn't even, they were big guys, man. They yeah. came in and did it to us, you know. They had a whole plan. Like, they came in, and they kind of trapped our tour manager guy, and they had him in a room, and they Strangling him, punching his teeth out of his mouth, and losing all his teeth, and breaking his face open, and then we had this track. We just attacked like animals, and it was a, it was a nightmare, man. Yeah, it's definitely not a definitely not a good uh, good group of guys to try to rob. I remember when yeah, I uh, we had a, yeah we we were with the propane guys, so oh god, we were on propane at the time, and and we were sharing a bus. So yeah. actually, we were sharing a bus of three bands. It was Bud Monsters from Ohio. Yeah. Uh, from Cleveland, um, propane and us all in one bus, and uh, wow. we all shared the same tour manager. So they weren't just robbing Life of Agony; they were trying to rob the whole tour. They were trying to rob our tour manager after he got paid for more, you know, for all the bands that night. <laughs> and it was a big inside. We felt like it was a big inside um, thing, and blah blah blah. Yeah. But you know, that's just a, that's just one of those road stories you're not so happy about, you know. But yeah. um. That's the one scary thing, kind of going back to uh, Dimebag. Sorry to cut you off, but going back to Dimebag, when we, uh, when Primer was, we toured in 2002 with Dope and Skin Lab and a few other bands, and we played the Alarosa. And yeah. I was sitting there, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was sitting there outside, I guess during the day, you know, we'd all, we'd load it in, and you know, just that, that long time between load in and show time, and you just have nothing to do. Yeah. But I was sitting outside in that little patio area, and I was sitting there talking to one of the guys that was with us, and I was like, man, if anybody ever wanted to just sneak in a show here, you just got to jump this fence because it was like yeah, tilt, it was tilted and and you know it was just rickety old fence. And then when it kind of came out that that's how dude got in the show, <laughs> like but basically yeah, get jumping exactly that fence. I was did. just like, oh my god, like maybe I should have said something back then to somebody. But 
Yeah, I miss, really. I you know. mean, uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, hey, listen, it's the real world. Yeah. Okay, you're, like I said, you're on the road. You're in the middle of, you're in the middle of a city. Although you've been there many times, you know, in the end, it doesn't really matter. It matters what's going on that day. Yeah. So you got to watch, you know, when you're out there, you got to kind of keep an eye on things and each other and, and know what's going on around you. Be very aware. I knew Typo did a lot of stuff with Pantera. Did you guys play much with Pantera back in the day? We played a few times actually in Europe with Pantera. And, um, I became really, you know, close with Dime, especially when we were out there playing in Europe together. He, he, she would jam on some of my, I had my own um, Jackson uh, Les Paul model guitar at the time. Yeah. I just had brought them on tour. They were like brand new and shit. And I was really happy with them and excited. And he would poke around on them and grab them at soundcheck and <laughs> noodle around on my on my guitar, which is so awesome, thinking back on it, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, and then he'd, he'd joke around me, go, oh, sorry, sorry. He'd put it down and run away, like joking around. It's just <laughs> great. We had so much fun together in the clubhouse over there in Texas. Uh, you know, we hung out with them there, of course, over the years, a couple of times. I went, I played golf with, uh, with Vinny. Mm-hmm. I love playing golf. So, uh, Vinny got wind of it and took me out him Rex. And unfortunately their, their sound guy, uh, tour manager that passed away recently, Aaron, um, yeah. four of us went golfing and, uh, that was a fun time that day. Vinny brought out bologna sandwiches, a bottle of Crown Royal, and a big bottle of Coke. Oh, cola And uh, we went golf, and that was that was a good time. And they brought me back to their uh, Diamond Vinny. Brought me back to Vinny's house, played blackjack, and they took all my money in my pocket. They they somehow drained me of every dollar in my pocket. <laughs> um, they were great at cards. Those two guys, those brothers together, man. You think and, they were up uh, to some uh, collusion? <laughs> Yeah, they just uh, yeah. So I have awesome stories, awesome memories from hanging out with Dime. I remember watching Soulfly with him. We we opened for Black Sabbath together, uh, Milton Keynes, England. That's when Whitfield was um, singing with us. Yeah. In '98, we when we did that first reunion show that Black Sabbath did. Oh wow! You know when they did the double CD and all that. Yeah. It was uh, Sabbath. Um, Slayer, Megadeth, Pantera, Life of Agony, Sheenhead, I think was on that, um, bunch of bands. And we played that day and the stages were side by side. It was just one huge stage and they flip-flopped side to side. So one band would go on like, we got sandwiched in between Pantera and Slayer. <laughs> so Pantera went on before us and then it was Life of Agony and Slayer. Well, let me tell you, what a day. Oh, yeah. Soulfly was on that show and that, that was my point. Uh, Don Bag and I ended up watching Soulfly together before I said Soulfly went on earlier in the day. And um, we ended up watching Soulfly together, Bang and I had together. That was a, a very fun memory I have hanging out with Don, both of us standing on the side of stage for Soulfly, Bang and I had together. You yeah. know, I'd met him, yeah. you know, a few times through the years, just, you know, basically doing what I did with you guys, just hanging around the buses and, you know, just being that wide eyed kid. And, to yeah. this day, Dime was probably the nicest person that I ever met. Like he, oh, definitely. You know, he would do anything. He would stay out in the cold with us forever and sign everything and you know pictures. And whenever they say that they, you know, people that he made everyone feel special, he absolutely made everyone feel special. 
But. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I've seen him do it. I've, I've stood right next to him. I, I know exactly what you're talk, talking about. Um, and that, that was always inspiration for me, to be honest with you, too. Like, yeah. I, I always wanted to hang. I didn't care if it was raining, snowing. I was always outside with people, you know. I, yeah. I would do the same stuff. I still do. Yeah, and even a few months before he was killed, uh, Damage Plan came through Louisville, and uh, I went out went out and saw him with a couple of friends. And then after the show, we were just, you know, leaving and, you know, I'm obviously older now and, you know, not hanging around the buses as much, but I, we were walking to our car yeah. and he was outside the bus meeting people. So I was like, well, you know, let's go over and say, Hey, and blah, blah, blah. And, and in a really odd way, like I went over and like, he started talking to me and I, I told him, you know, I met you when I was a kid many times. And then I went on to play music and I got to tour and I got to do all this fun stuff. And like, like, he was genuinely happy for me. And then like two months later, he yeah. was killed. It was just like, it was the weirdest conversation I've ever had. It was almost like a closure because I'd met, you know, yeah. met him so many times through the years, but uh, you know, it was, it was really, really an odd day. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I um, had a similar experience with, um, remember Dave Williams from drowning pool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we toured together at stereo mud, you know, a little different, but a similar thing with clothes, like, uh, we had just done a, a tour together, us and Drown, uh, Staring Mud and Drowning Pool. And Dave was a huge Life of Agony fan. Every time I went on the Drowning Pool bus, all we would do is have drinks together, and he would blast Life of Agony. It was one of his favorite bands of all time. Yeah. So, and na naturally, you can imagine how we hit it off on the tour. You know, I, it was a Staring Mud at the time, but he, you know, he was so happy yeah. to have me, you know, he was so happy to have me there that he won to hang out every single night and we became tight, tight buddies to the point that after the tour, it was about a month or so after the tour, it was Christmas time, and he came into New York with Kat, with his, with his awesome girl, his girlfriend, who I'm still friends with now. Um, he, uh, he asked if I'd go to dinner and meet him in the city, my wife, and so me, my wife and I met him and Kat out in the city, and this is like a few weeks after the tour, and we went to go see the Rockefeller Tree to, together, and then we took them for Brick Oven, John's Brick Oven Pizza on Bleecker Street, and it was just such a fun day. Yeah. And literally, not too long after that, you know, I, that was like the last time I got a chance to see him and talk to him, but... It was just so much fun that day, and he talked about all of his life and agony experiences and all his favorite songs, and he, we recapped the tour, and we talked about this awesome friendship that we'd made, and, you know, over dinner, and and then that was the last time we spoke. That's crazy. That was Dad, he was gone. So, like, I know what you mean in a weird way, like, I'll never, that was such a weird day that it ended, like, usually, okay, you'd see the guy on tour, you see him that last day of the tour, okay, adios, and then... Right. Something happened so but then we had that special day in the city and dinner and reminiscing on the tour and you know, it was almost like meant to be that we had that last day together outside of the tour. That's so crazy. We uh Yeah, it was my my local band, my local band on Nashville was called Twelve Volt Negative Earth and we used to trade shows with Drowning Pool before they were signed and we would always end up playing in New Orleans together. And one time we played there with them and uh they knew we were coming, so they brought us a. They gave us a goldfish, like in the bag, like from Walmart, 
And like we get back in our van, we get back in our van to drive home. We're like, what are we gonna do with this goldfish? Like that, you know, it was one of those like, what, what drowning poor crazy, you know? And then yeah, uh, yeah, and then and then a few years, you know, after you know the bodies hits and and all that stuff, and they were about to go on that Ozfest where he passed away. They were they were doing tour rehearsal in Nashville, but we didn't we didn't really know him or have you know this is pre MySpace I guess you know even or pre you know pre everyone being connected, yeah 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 you know so we kind of yeah, lost course, touch with yeah. them and uh, and and uh, and uh, he I'm a huge Tennessee Titans fan and that's when Eddie George running back for the Titans had a restaurant downtown and uh, it was my birthday and I was like well let's you know let's all go out to dinner and and we'll go we'll all go to Eddie's which is a part of the Hilton Hotel downtown Nashville. And uh, we get this big table and it's like 10 of my friends and we're sitting there and we look over at the bar and sitting by himself is Dave. And we're like, is that, is that? I was like, is that Dave from Drowning Pool? And like, everybody's like, I think it is. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to him. And I walked up and he's like, to me, what's going on, man? How have you been? I'm like, man, it's my birthday. You know, come over and hang out with us. And, you know, he's just buying everybody drinks and, and we're, you know, just having uh-huh, a great time. Best, and, man. You know, he and the, was just a heart of gold, man. That yeah, dude, he great. just had a heart of gold, and he really delivered on stage as well, man. Yeah, he really delivered. Same thing with Lynn from Snot, like yep. uh, on the Osfest we did together in '98. Lynn, we we became buddies, man. Like <laughs> he would, I would buy him cigar. He was a big cigar smoker, so I'd get him like all these cool cigars. I had some friends that had some good hookups, and then um, <laughs> I'd put cigars underneath his pillow. <laughs> in his bunk, like I sneak on the airbus, put some cigars underneath his pillow in his bunk, and then uh, like a day later, I'd go in my bunk, and underneath my pillow would be like a little sack of weed. <laughs> like, you know, like we had this silly thing going on, like this unspoken thing, and like uh, it was really funny. It was really fun, and uh, Lynn was another one of those awesome, friendly people, man. I'll never forget touring with. We hung out a lot. We did a lot of hanging and partying, and all kinds of good stuff, man. Yeah, actually, and, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know when this this one will post. Most likely on Tuesday, but the the podcast that just posted was Tommy Vexed. So we just talked, you know, okay. talked about the Snot reunion, things like that. But yeah, that's one band I never got to see live with Snot, and it, you know, it's kind of a, a bummer oh I never did because that that so Getsum awesome. album was so great. The drummer Jamie, man, oh my god, he was always so he he still is. I mean, he's amazing, just. Just an amazing dude, amazing drummer. Um, you know, just the whole band, man. Mikey, I just saw Mikey recently at a festival in Europe, and um, and I, you know, he, he's just a killer guitar player as well as you know. That band just had Sonny, you know. It just, it was just such a well, uh, how would you say, just a well thought out, put together machine. That yeah. band thought, man. Great name too, of course. How could you have a better <laughs> yeah. band name than Snot? Yeah, that's the best band name of all time. <laughs> um, uh, I got a lot of Snot right now. I got my allergies kicking me. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Oh no, but, it's all um, good. I'll, I'll hit a couple uh, more things. We're we're actually getting close to an hour, so uh, but uh, hit on, I want to hit on a couple more things. Um, yeah, yeah, let's do it because I I gotta run two in a couple minutes. All right, I don't want you to kill over dead on me. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. uh, with Life of Agony. Uh, you know, Mina's voice is so recognizable, and like, uh, let me let me 
me word this properly so it doesn't come out wrong. But you know, with Mina's voice sounding so just it was it, signature of the band was 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 that voice. Of course. And then and then when of you guys course. got and I I think you dumbfounded a lot of fans. I mean, I was completely dumbfounded when when she left the band and then Whitfield came in, Whitfield Crane came in. Looking back on it, it was that the best move at the time was that the move that you guys had to make was you know what was yeah that, that was pretty much what that was pretty much what it was what you just said um it was a brand new record yeah and unfortunately my cousin um at the time just wasn't there you know uh, mentally physically like physically mentally every aspect of of at the time peace wasn't wasn't present for that yeah uh, phase of life of agony so. What happened was the record came out. It was it was only out like a couple of weeks, like literally, like the the Roadrunner just released the record. Yeah. And we, and then my cousin like literally just left, and um, it, you know it of course was dev- devastating at the time because we were so excited over this record, Soul Searching Sun, and um, we we felt like we had a really good record on our hands, and we were very excited about it just in general, and um. Then it was like the rug was almost pulled from under us, and the label, the management, everyone started, of course, you know, uh, chiming in and pooling in together and 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 trying to figure it out. And there was a, and also we were sharing a rehearsal studio uh, with Anthrax. We had a we had a, a building like basically um, a small building where we shared two different rooms with Anthrax. Yeah. So we had the Anthrax guys trying to help, like suggesting things and trying to give advice. And then we had a management who also was managing Anthrax at the time. We had um, the label, of course, who just released the record and dumped all this money into marketing. So we had a lot of pressure from, you know, a lot of people saying, you guys can't just roll over. You know, you should do something like just keep going, you know, and why don't you try this person and why don't you try that person? And then Scott Ian is the one, you know, we were at rehearsal one day and was sitting there without a singer and just basically bummed, of course. Yeah. And Scott Ian came in the room and was like, hey, guys. He was like, listen. He was like, why don't you call my friend Wit from Ugly Kid Joe? He has a great voice. He's not doing anything right now. He's dying to get out there and tour. I'm sure he can learn the songs, you know, rather quickly. Because we had a tour lined up. We had Megadeth tour. We actually were going to... Um, Australia and Japan because the single was doing so well Yeah. when they released Weeds that the Weeds went to number one on the charts in Australia for three weeks straight. We were the number one band like literally. Uh, I, we couldn't believe it. And um, so we get all this news and we had tours lined up all kinds of stuff that were booked, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it was like it was a hard decision to make, but at the same time, I think there was so many emotions going on that it made a lot of sense then to just try and not give up. Yeah. And I'm glad we did in a way, because I don't think it was a mistake. We had a lot of fun on those tours. We did OzFest. OzFest was a blast. Um, looking back on it now, doing the Megadeth tours, we did two legs with Megadeth with that lineup. And then, uh, we did Ozfest and we got a great reaction. You know, we made a lot of new fans that may have not heard of Life of Agony before that. Yeah. Um, it was a bit confusing to some of those people because it was two different singers. One was on the album, one was live. So, you know, there's a lot of explaining to do constantly, <laughs> interviews and stuff. But, you know, looking back on it, you know, 
hindsight is 2020, like they say, or whatever. I don't even know the way they say it, but yeah. whatever, you know, um, it, it's, it is what it was, what it was. And we gave it our best shot and we weren't really into giving up. And I think, um, I think, I guess there's something to be said about that as well. So, you know, I know some fans are probably like, oh, you, you know, this is insane or whatever, but it was also insane on our end, you know, yeah. we were dealing with. So, I, I guess you could look at it from either side of the of the of the spectrum there, you know. Very cool. Yeah, so, it was, yeah, it was definitely uh, you know just being a fan back then, and you know just the ugly kid Joe singer coming into Life of Agony, even to me was such a such a crazy. Yeah, it was just you know such what? a you strange match. How about that? Yeah, you know, I thought it was strange too, and you know, I I didn't know if it was going to work, but you know, we we were all thinking the same thing because when we we when we heard Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, you know, we were all like, "Huh? How is that going to work?" Like, you know, <laughs> the first reaction, of course, when when Scott suggested that to us to help, which was great of him to do that. And uh, we all looked at each other. I think we're like, "Huh? Like, really?" You know. And then when he came down, when he flew in from California, when we agreed to like try it out, we sent him a few songs, and he flew in. And uh, first of all, I had met him before that, and I knew he was a cool guy, a fun guy to hang out with. I know we hung out on the Anthrax tour and uh, I knew he was fun to hang out with. So that was cool. And then when he came in and kind of smoked, smoked the vocals, like he was like really good, just, just in general, like his skills. Um, and he had a very up, upbeat personality, very uh, friendly and, and, and exciting personality, very excited to do stuff. And um, it just seemed like, okay, well, he sings great. He's really good personality fun to be around all right well maybe we should just do these tours you know yeah so it was more like that it was it wasn't so much thinking that went on went into it and, and so much contemplating he just came into the room sung really great was able to hit all the notes and was able to uh you know kind of dig into the lyrics a little bit and it seemed like he generally genuinely wanted to do it with us mm-hmm. so and which he did. And then uh, it just seemed, I guess at the time, it seemed like, okay, let's just give it a shot. And like I said, we had a lot of great shows. We had a lot of shows where there was huge pits in front of, you know, like huge reaction, you know. We had yeah. a lot of good ones, believe it or not. And then we had some so-so shows where a lot of LOA fans came out like, hmm, you know. But it was still a good time. You know, again, looking back on everything Life of Agony has done and the whole trip of it all and what's to come, you know, it's all good in the end. It's all oh, good. Yeah. You know, good and bad times. You know, we've been through it all, this band, and uh, we're still here. And member changes and getting back to the original and all this stuff. And, you know, it's been quite a ride. But in the end, looking back, I'm I'm just so happy that I did it. You know, I'm so happy that we're still doing it, too. No, it's definitely great to see you guys still out there doing it. And then uh, one more thing, just that, just a, this is almost even a personal, just a question. But with a band like Volbeat, like yeah. you, you, you know, when I first heard of Volbeat, you know, a buddy of mine's like, dude, you gotta hear these guys. Sounds like you know, the singer sounds like Life of Agony. And you yeah, yeah, River Runs Red Arrow, Life of Agony. And you know, you, you know, they're basically you know one of the biggest rock bands out there right now. And how what do you, yeah. how do you feel about a band like that that almost, eh, you know, it's like. Yeah, very yeah. very similar to that they, stuff, they, you know. Go ahead. 
well, from what I understand, earlier in their career, they've given a lot of um, a lot of respect uh, to Life of Agony. I think, uh, from what I've heard through Grapevine, a bunch of them, indeed, were Life of Agony. You know, they were, I don't want to call them fans. I don't know them that well. But according to, from what I heard, they were influenced and inspired by Life of Agony. Mm-hmm. So um, seeing them, you know, hey, listen, you know, um, more power to them. I'm not a jealous type of guy or envious. Uh, you know, I feel like I've had success on my own levels, you know, and uh, I don't know if money really dictates to success. You know, a lot of people look at it that way. So, yeah, I'm sure they're making it a hell of a lot more money than Life of <laughs> Agony does. But um, that's not really what I measure success by. I measure it by, you know, being able to still do this, you know, still having my physical ability, my arms, my fingers, my legs, still be able to get up on stage and do it and and do it in front of large crowds like we do. I think that really is what I measure it against. Um, I'm happy for Volbeat. I'm happy that they, I don't think they robbed our sound or anything. I definitely think I, I do hear the whole River Runs Fred, you know, the high octave vocal with the heavy riffs underneath. You know, I, you know, it's there, mm-hmm. but... You know, I, I like I said, I, I more power to them. That's cool that they're able to write a bunch of killer songs and uh, go out there and, and be influenced by someone. Look at look what bands like um, this happens all the time. Look at bands like Bad Brains, and you know, you have a band like Bad Brains, and then you have a band like Deftones. Yeah. Who, you know what I mean? Like, I definitely know they're inspired by Bad Brains. I can just feel it in their music. You know, and I love Deftones. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands of all time, believe it or not. Um, I, you know, but I know that the bad bands never reached the status or, or the Deftones, you know, they, you know, they're legendary, of course, bad brains, but, you know, they've, I don't think they had the, how would you say, monetary success that <laughs> Deftones has had. Right. You know, and not a lot so, of have. <laughs> you know, it, it happens on all different levels. It happens to all different bands, you know, and, you know, and, and again, like, I, I think it's just, it's good all around. I think it's uh, how I, I actually feel like it's uh, complimenting. It, it, it feels like a compliment when you hear a band like Volby go out there and have that kind of sound. And it's almost like, okay. And they also acknowledge Life of Agony in interviews from what I've heard. Haven't haven't read them myself, but from what people are telling me through the grapevine that they are they do acknowledge life of agony in their interviews and they have in the past. So yeah. just knowing that makes me feel good really good about it, of course, you know. It's cool. Well that's awesome, Joey, and I uh, definitely one hundred percent appreciate you coming on the podcast. Like this is definitely a, a huge honor to have you on the podcast. And uh so thank just you, <laughs> thank you. Just let everybody know how they can find you on the on the wonderful social media and maybe check out some Zyra yeah, yeah, it's uh, just Joey Zampella. It was simply uh Z A M Z A M P E L L A Zampella um at face you know on Facebook. And uh, I also have a production site because obviously I'm still recording people's albums and I record you know, I record local bands, all different levels of bands, from bands that are signed all the way down to bands that are just starting out. Um, and you can check out uh, www.joeyzproductions.com. That's my website. You can get in touch with me through the website. You can email me, and uh, we can talk about recording projects. So, 
So I, and I do travel also for recording. Mm-hmm. I have traveled to Canada. I've traveled to the West Coast. It just depends on the project. So, you know, uh, and nothing's impossible. So uh, if people want to get in touch, that's cool. Definitely. Oh, and when it comes to Zyre's War, uh, you'll be hearing a lot more from Zyre's War. We also have a Facebook page. Just go, you know, Facebook and type in Zyre's War, Z-I-R-E apostrophe S, War. And uh, it'll come up. And, uh, you know, like us and, um, you know, we'll be in touch through there as well. So just look out for Zyre's War and look out for more Life of Agony. You know, it's going to be coming out hopefully. You know, hopefully Life of Agony will release something new. You know, we're talking, so keep an eye out for that stuff too. Oh, that would be great. And I know everybody be uh, definitely be looking forward to that. But once again, Joey, thank you so much. Uh, I'll get this up pretty thank soon. Thank you, Josh. All that fun stuff. Thank so. you so much. And uh, stay in touch. Would you, man? Stay in touch. Let me know when it's out. Uh, hit me with a link or something. All right, guys, there you have it. That was the wonderful Joey Z. Thank you once again, Joey, for coming on the podcast. Go check out Zyre's War. Go check out Life of Agony. Even go back to the vaults. Check out some Stereo Mud. Just like to say thanks to Joey Z for coming on. I've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Uh, hopefully I'm going to put out a special Thursday edition this week with uh, Jason T. Smith of the show Thrift Hunters. That was a great conversation. I've got a uh, show in the books with uh, Steve from Skin Lab. That should be out next Tuesday. Uh, and then I've got a couple of great guests that I should have lined up uh, to do interviews with. I don't want to throw those out there just yet. I don't want to jinx anything and get anyone's hopes up. Just want to say thanks to Joey Z for coming on. Uh, thanks for everyone that's listened to the podcast. Hey, and if you want to help the podcast out, donate a little bit to the podcast. Go to paypal.me slash talk to me. That's paypal.me slash talk to me. Help out with some of the production costs. Help me out. Get a upgrade the system. I'd like to start doing some live podcasting. Do some interviews in person. So if you would be so gracious to go check out paypal.me slash talk to me. Donate a dollar. Donate a hundred dollars. Help me out. But help out, talk to me however you can. And if you'd like to do that, that would be so great. And I'll definitely give you a shout out on the podcast and whatever else I can do in my own humble, humble little ways. Also, if you've got an unsigned band, make sure to hit me up at talktometalk at gmail.com. That's talktometalk at gmail.com. Give me a demo. Give me something to play on the podcast. This band, Awake at Last, has reached out to me. But yeah, they reached out to me through Twitter graciously let me put put them on the podcast really enjoy the song like i said uh, the band is called awake at last the song is called questions with restless eyes i never seem to sleep anymore There's too many questions to answer Things I never really thought about before Like what it means to be human Does growing up have to feel like this? Everything's so unfamiliar It's time the only reason we exist Keep holding on to Hopes and dreams Like everyone's obsessed with having
Arts are only perfection. All right, guys, that does it for this week's episode of Talk To Me. Again, Joey Z, thanks for coming on. Make sure to go check out Cyberstar wherever you can find them. Go check out Awake At Last. Go hit them up on their band camp and go download that song and get all their wonderful things. Check them out on YouTube. All the good stuff. So once again, a big Talk To Me. Thank you to everyone who's been checking out the podcast, and I will see you guys soon.